In this episode of the Explore Information Security Podcast, what is isolated browsing? Welcome to the Explore Information Security Podcast, where you will learn, explore, and grow your security mindset. I am your host, Timothy D. Block, and in this episode, we will be exploring what is isolated browsing. Joining me today to help answer this question is Danny Miller, Director of Product Marketing for Ericom. Danny, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So let's go ahead and jump into it. This is going to be the toughest question. I'm sure you've been on plenty of podcasts to answer, answer this. What is isolated browsing? Isolated browsing is the concept of uh, having a virtual remote browser doing all the heavy lifting for you. And as a result, the user experience remains seamless, but the actual uh, browsing happens far away. That means nothing is running on your endpoint. No code, no JavaScript, no malware, nothing. Everything is far. So when you say remote, that makes me think of the cloud. Is this something that's like based in the cloud or somewhere else? So the, it, it can actually reside on-premise or in the cloud. Uh, from our perspective, uh, it doesn't really matter. We, we provide both option as well as a hybrid mode. Uh, but the, the general concept is that you want to put that virtual browser uh, in the DMZ, or as you said, in the cloud, in case there is um, a potential malware trying to penetrate, uh, it won't because uh, it will never reach the endpoint. And and how is that actually accomp- accomplished? Right. So I was about to ask if it makes sense. So let's talk about it for a second and try to better understand the technology behind it. Uh, So the virtual browser is actually uh, a container uh, that resides, let's say, in the the DMZ. And uh, when the user is uh, browsing the internet, and you can browse normally from from corporate office to using any device and any browser of your choice, as soon as you uh, start browsing, the system or your proxy is going to take a decision whether the site that you're trying to access is a blacklisted, meaning no, no, you can't get there, or whether the, the, the URL you're trying to reach is whitelisted. In that, in that case, if it's, your, for example, your CRM, then you don't need any secure browsing. But everything other than that, the system is set up to, as a default, to uh, generate a secure browser just for you. So that means the decision is happening on the the networking side. And uh, uh, as soon as you go and and type a URL, this browser uh, is going to open up in a a container residing, as I said, in the cloud or on the DMZ outside of your uh, immediate network. And you're going to actually see a, uh, a flow of images, so a visual stream of images, because what we do is we take the virtual browser and we render the information from the virtual browser into your local browser. So the user is getting a visual stream of images that mimics a natural uh, uh, native browsing experience, but in reality, uh, nothing is running on the endpoint. And that's the trick. Um, so when you say images, uh, you're, you like to me that 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 
it sounds like maybe there's some user experience issues. Uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's not the case, but I just want to double check that, you know, users are still able to interact within the browser pages. So you say images are loaded for, for the user, but I, I imagine they're still able to click on links within that image. So what's uh, amazing in that technology is that we are able to render the pages in real time and deliver uh, high definition video and audio uh, that the user would not feel that they're actually using the virtual browser. So when you think about it, in reality, users are not opening just one tab, right? They're opening multiple tabs and sometimes multiple browsers as well. We provide a dedicated virtual browser for every tab that you open because we want to make sure there is no leakage or anything else that can come up from, from one session to the other. So actually, each uh, URL that you're using is a virtual uh, browser sitting in a dedicated container. Now, going back to your question about the user experience, because we we came from the from that industry of virtualization, and we have a lot of experience in HTML5. We were probably one of the first companies to come up to the market with an HTML5 type of client. So we have. Uh, client, uh, client-less solution, which has been deployed already in tens of thousands of devices, and we know how to do this. So when we do the rendering, we're actually able to mimic the exact experience that you have on a regular website. Obviously, all the links are operational. The website behaves normally. You wouldn't know the difference. So in reality, you have a user that has one tab open with a URL that they're browsing directly because it's been whitelisted, and another tab with a virt with actually uh, a site that is uh, the user is browsing use a virtual browser, and you wouldn't know the difference. So what you're saying is there is absolutely no lag time. I'm saying that the the performance is so good that it really feels like a native experience. Okay. That's good. And with so the first thing I think of when you say that each browser or each tab has its own kind of uh, instance is is that there's you know that kind of just eliminates cross site request forger like right off the bat. Exactly. Yeah. What what it brings to the table though is the challenge of let's say you have uh, five thousand users in your organization and each one is is uh, using ten or fifteen or twenty different tabs. The system has to be very dynamic because, as I said, every virtual browser is actually not an instance. It's a, it's a container. Okay, It's a Linux container who's doing all the heavy lifting. So we are able to do a lot of you know, dynamic up and down and management uh, and orchestration of those, uh, uh, of those resources in order to make sure that there is always a browser available for you. Okay, and when you say containers, and this is you know apologies, <laughs> I think of like Docker because that's like the 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 thing that we hear containers most about nowadays. Is is it similar to that, or is it a little bit different than that? No, it's very similar. Okay, it's it's actually the real deal. <laughs> okay, and so what happens when you someone actually gets a link that's that's a virus? Uh, is, is that something that the that the solution just goes ahead and handle. I mean, will they? Will the user see anything? Will they get some kind of alerting? Will the security team get alerted on it that this is like a bad link? You know, uh, how is that handled when some type of malware is, you know, 
kind of run across within this solution? Okay, this is a very interesting question because when we look at the, uh, I would say the defense in depth strategy of all the com- of most of the companies, we see that they have multiple products. But following your question, most of the products that they have in-house are products that are able to do detection and prevention, right? Signature base or other type of uh, identification. The concept of isolated browsing is different. We are not about telling which URL is good or bad because as a philosophy, we don't believe that this approach is a good one because all you need to do is make one mistake and then you're jeopardizing the organization and you get the malware in. So instead of saying this may be uh, um, a malicious uh, website or not, we just shielding the environment. We're setting that virtual browser in the DMZ away from the user and we make sure that all the information that's coming is just pixelated. It's through visual stream of images and no code is running. And as a result, it doesn't really matter if this website is malicious or not, because everything is the, the threat is remediated inside the container. And as soon as the session is over or after a certain idle time, this container is actually being destroyed with any potential malware that reside within it disappearing. Okay. Well, so and, and is there anything like any kind of reporting on, you know, sort of bad links. I know you said it doesn't matter, but I, I guess what I'm thinking is from like a return on investment type of thing, like some people might want to see how well the product or, or you know, also what, what sites people are necessarily browsing to that might potentially get them infected. Right. So we do have the logging and the reporting that uh, that uh, kind of shows that the sites that people went to. But if, so if you want to do fo- like a forensic work afterwards, that's fine, but we are not in the business of telling you, hey, this site is not good or this site is good or beware of, you know, www something, because mm-hmm. because we feel and what this is what we're getting from the industry is that these approaches actually fail. When you go and look at some of the statistics today, and um, you know maybe look at uh, there's a Kaspersky uh, report from about 18 months ago, who's looking at, you know, where are the mo- the major attack vectors that are penetrating the organization? And y- they talk about 62% of the threats are coming through the browser. So the browser, in many senses, is the weakest link in terms of that. So even if you have, you know, the antivirus and your firewall and, and all the other uh, components and products that are supposed to be protecting you, they're not doing a good job addressing the browsing uh, uh, attack surface. Okay, so so as a result, yes, we do have the, some of the reporting that you required in order to do the follow-ups, but at the end of the day, the concept of browsing isolation is that it's a new concept. It's a new, even, you know, put a big word on it, it's a new paradigm saying, Isolation is just a good way of putting the threats away and make sure it stay there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because I, I, I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are probably thinking like virtual machines and Citrix and and things like that that kind of move the the this those move the whole computer away from the person. But it sounds like you're just moving the the 
the browser itself out of the computer and into a different environment so that it can, like you said, shield it. Yeah, let, let me maybe uh, uh, try to put some, uh, highlight some of the differences what's happening today in the industry. So first of all, Ericom has been in the business for more than 20 years. And I said, we've came from the virtualization space uh, and uh, very familiar with, with that market. Um, so we actually have what we call our first generation secure browsing, which is based on Microsoft RDS technology, uh, based on our, uh, pre, uh, we have um, a robust platform called Ericom Connect. And one of the use cases of this Ericom Connect solution is secure browsing. We actually have more than 60 deployments of secure browsing solution using Ericom Generation 1. Uh, and it is based on having a, uh, a browser uh, installed on a terminal service, terminal services, and enabling users to go to that remote browsing. Our customers actually call it the double browser solution. And this is very similar to what you just described about Citrix. So you can have a terminal server as a VM uh, and have, let's say, uh, Internet Explorer installed over there. And you go and you, you're accessing it from your uh, remote computer, whether it's through a client or in a clientless mode. As I said, we have, we, we've pioneered a clientless, so we're kind of always like that option. But at the end of the day, it's working and it's working well. But we decided to take a different route and say it's working, but now we want to, put, we want to create a dedicated product. And in this new product, in Ericom Shield, we're not using Microsoft licensing. We're using proxy-based traffic. We're using uh, a Linux-based containers. So we've taken away some of the, the licensing cost aspect and also the remote connectivity, right? So we're doing it based on proxy. And that's the difference between the, the product. So this is uh, also to relate to what uh, you mentioned, what Citrix is doing in terms of uh, uh, remote browsing or isolated browsing. Um, there, by the way, there are some other companies in the, that space who are doing uh, local isolation. So they're doing that virtual virtualization on the endpoint and using this virtual machine doing the, 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 the browsing. And again, using the same concept of, of having a virtual browser do the heavy lifting. But in this case, they cannot say that nothing is running on the endpoint because in reality, it is on the endpoint, although in a VM. So what happens if something goes wrong, you already have that malware within the endpoint and within the organization. We feel everything should be far far and protected so nothing gets into the uh, inside the local area network and nothing gets to the endpoint okay so how when someone bring this brings this in-house and and sets it up in-house mm -hmm. how is that accomplished okay so uh, in terms of the de deployment uh, as i said let's let's talk for example about the uh, on-premise deployment uh, all you need to do is you, you need to make sure that in the chain of uh, connectivity, you know, your network connectivity between the firewalls and secure web gateways and proxies, whatever you have in place, we would like to be on that uh, on that route. I would say as close as possible to the exit to the internet. Uh, and uh, you can set your policies 
uh, with us. With, we have an admin console where you can set the, pro the, the admin policies, but most organizations, they already have the proxies, they already have policies. So we just execute on these policies. And the only thing that's come into play is we, we uh, take the information and, and if this is whitelisted or blacklisted, it's going to be managed by a proxy. And everything else by default is going to go through the virtual browser through Ericom Shield. Okay. And so if, if say, the network or the server guy comes through and unplugs that solution, the product, does does that take every, every browsing down or will that like fail over to just using the web proxy again or how does that work? You mean if you take out Ericom Shield all of a sudden from the from the mix? Yeah. Yeah, so it's gonna just work normally. It's gonna do, okay. uh, you know, black, white, and uh, everything else is gonna go normal. Okay, except for you've now opened, you know, you're, you're not getting that shielded protection anymore for, for browsing sessions. Exactly, yeah. and and if you uh, and if you're using, uh, uh, for example, a cloud solution, then again, you need to make sure that, uh, you know, you install it in the cloud. It takes really a matter of minutes, but you need to make sure that you open the right port, so so uh, traffic, um, internet traffic, go through uh, that port through the cloud. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, what are the kind of the hard? I'm curious about the hardware requirements for for this. Or is this like something that you send and then they just, you know, bracket and mount it? Right. So let's talk about the, the components. Okay. So we have, you first of all, you need uh, one server, again, virtual or physical, that is going to do all the, as I said, the orchestration, being able to, you know, and understand who's coming from uh, uh, from where and uh, what type, how many uh, browsers you need to manage. So this is what we call the, the shield core. Um, we also have part of that shield core is we we have a component called ICAP, ICAP which is the standard protocol and managing uh, the, the connectivity with the proxy. Uh, as I said, we have a built-in proxy in the system, but most organizations we speak to have their own proxy, so the ICAP is the one doing the communication with them and is actually going to do the brokering between the, the people browsing and the available browser. Which brings me to the other component of the system. You need a server who has, it's a Linux server that has plenty of containers in it and is going to do all the virtual browsing for you. Okay, so one server for the, for the, con, for the containers, one server uh, as a management, and you can, we have also a management console that you can install probably even inside your organization uh, and the, the access is uh, through the web. Okay, so the, these are the components. And um, when you actually ask what is the, the horsepower that I need, what's the, the actual architecture or, or the hardware uh, components, how many RAMs and all of that, the, the answer would be it really depends. If your user are constantly doing 4K uh, video uh, viewing on YouTube, <laughs> you might as well gear up for some serious hardware right. uh, um, you know, investments. But if your users are what quote-unquote would be a normal browsing, which means they're going to do mainly web browsing, news, research, uh, accessing Salesforce, you name it, and occasional viewing of, of videos or audio, then you would need something else. 
So we work with every organization to understand uh, their needs. You'll be quite surprised. Some organization uh, forbid uh, streaming. Uh, we've been to a financial, a large financial uh, uh, firm. They said, well, 5% of the organization is able to stream. The rest should do their work. You know, so, so there's many mm-hmm. different approaches. It's not like one size fits all. Uh, we have different kinds of, of setups and we work with your organization to understand uh, what, is the best, um, what is the best setup for them so the, the investment makes sense. Gotcha. Okay. So what other resources are available for learning more about isolated browsing? Okay. Um, isolated browsing is actually a topic that was uh, uh, pushed by uh, Gartner uh, about a year ago. Uh, there is a very interesting uh, article uh, called uh, uh, it's talking about the cesspool of the internet. Uh, can't remember right now the exact uh, the exact naming. I'll find it in a second. But uh, uh, very easy to go and find it in, in, on on Gartner. And this is really where uh, I'd say the um, the discussion has started. Since then, we see uh, more companies going into the space. We see a lot of talking about isolation. It's becoming a hot topic in in all kinds of uh, uh, of uh, workshop and, and and trade shows. Uh, so so definitely uh, isolation has not has not been a, a new topic. I mean, sandboxing has been around f- mm-hmm. and, and also containers for quite some time. But uh, there's more and more discussion about harnessing that power of isolation for security. And uh, again, more podcasts. I've been doing some uh, talking myself and other uh, people from the industry have been also contributing to this, um, uh, to building that um, body of knowledge about uh, isolation. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating topic and and something I hadn't heard about before. Uh, I know working in a blue team that <laughs> the users can can find some pretty interesting stuff online and get their machines infected. So if there's if there's a way to limit that, and I I also like the idea that it's you know we talk about segmenting your network, and this is just one step further in segmenting your your user browser sessions from pretty much the rest of their computer, which can be considered the most dangerous part of of a user's role within the organization you know as as he said the research and finding stuff and and i've had people who are going to tech forums to look for answers and they get their machines infected um you know so 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 i i think it's a i think it sounds really great uh and it's a really interesting topic yeah uh two points that i'd like to to make one is really about as you say the 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 human factor so it doesn't matter how high are you in the organization there's always the person is going to click on the wrong link. And if you think about the fact that by default, the system is going to say, if it's not black and it's not white, then I'm going to go secure. That really means that even if you make that mistake and you happen to be the CEO of the company, you're going to be protected. Okay. Another thing which uh, maybe I failed to mention before, but it's very important is that even though we may not be crazy about the fact that people are browsing and downloading content, this is part of the browsing experience. So we would like to make sure that even if you're now a researcher or an analyst doing some work and you need to download content, we want to make sure that you can do it uh, uh, safely. So as a result, we've actually integrated 
uh, in the product, it's part, it comes pre-integrated uh, uh, a sanitization solution, what's called CDR, Content Disarm and Reconstruction. So this is a third-party software that actually knows how to take apart the um, document or PowerPoint or Excel, whatever it is, clean it from macros and all other JavaScripts and stuff, and rebuilt it in a clean and flattened way that uh, maintain the functionality of the file by making sure that the file is clean. So the process is that when you browse using your virtual browser and you're now trying to download a file, the file is actually being downloaded to that virtual browser container. From there, it's being taken to being sanitized. And only once it's cleared for use, it's going to be downloaded to the end user um, device. In this way, we actually make it a full circle, ensuring that browsing experience is complete, but yet that the organization is remain safe because this file is going to actually uh -huh. be downloaded into your desktop eventually. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Uh, it actually made me think of another uh, threat vector, which is like phishing sites. Is is there any sort of detection on those? Again, phishing is a great example why isolated browsing can really save the day. So you, let's say you're getting that um, innocent-looking email from your CEO telling you something, and eagerly you enter the, the email and you click on the link. This link is malicious. It's going to take you to somewhere, a site, which actually may have a, 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 it's a fish, phishing attack, maybe a drive-by download that's going to come down to, to your computer Whatever it is, because this URL is hasn't been identified as blacklisted, but for sure hasn't been whitelisted, by default, it will open in a secure browser. So whatever they're trying to do is now happening inside this disposable container. And as a result, this phishing attempt is not going to be successful. Okay. So uh, this has been a fascinating discussion and um, we're pretty much at the end of our time. What would you like to plug? What, what I like to promote is uh, I, I'd like people from the industry to understand that as part of the defense in depth strategy, there's definitely a room for uh, a new and fresh approach, which uh, isolated browsing is it. We're uh, definitely, it's not replacing uh, some of the great products that you're already using, but it's an, a very important addition that addressing a very uh, significant attack vector, which is the browser that is currently not being addressed effectively today. So I urge you to go on ericomshield.com uh, and uh, see for yourself, download the data sheet, uh, come speak to us, we'd love to hear from you and uh, to let you try it out. Awesome. Is there any way people can reach you directly? Are you on any social media sites? Uh, sure, you can uh, reach me at uh, on LinkedIn um, or daniel.miller at uh, ericon.com. Um, we obviously have you know Twitter of the company and such, but uh, if you want to reach me directly, that would be a good place. Uh, you can uh, so you can find my profile. Um, and um, that's about it. All right, fantastic. Well, thank you for joining me to discuss what is isolated browsing.
It's been a pleasure. That will do it. Hopefully you learned something. Feedback is welcome at timothy.dblock at gmail.com or on Twitter at timothydblock. Show notes can be found at timothydblock.com forward slash E-I-S. If you enjoyed the show, share it with others and rate it on iTunes. Have a good one.